That was 41, and we'll get there uh, momentarily. I want to uh, extend a thought from what we said this morning about the way that God gives his uh, various forms of grace, and he brings us all together. And I really want to encourage us to be thinking about next year and even now that we find the opportunities to interact across the generations. And the opportunities will be there. We're going to have to make them, but they're, they're there already. And I hope that tonight is an example of that. I hope you have a good sense and a good feeling about the kind of leadership that we, that we have here. And uh, not all of the group is here tonight, and uh, you got to hear from four of our guys. I also want to mention that Wren and Bree and Jamie are here, and I want you to meet them as well. And, um, and some Wednesday night, you'll see more of the group, and maybe on that, that New Year's Eve party is one opportunity to get them all together. Now, I also want to give you this preview, and I want to encourage all of you who are here, and I want to encourage all of you to be here because you know that we've got an important cultural event coming up this month, right, Taylor? We've got something yeah, that hasn't happened since 1977. And so just to tie in with that and to tell you what this little wooden structure is over here, well, here's a word and here's a video that's uh, been pre made for us to tell you what you can expect next Sunday night. So I just want you to have fun with this little minute video here. That's rehearsal, and uh, you're gonna and and uh, and and that's good. That's good. The uh, I like the way that they set that up. You know, there, there's um, the parents, the others, the volunteers. These guys did some um, work on on some of what's going on there. Be here and encourage those young families. I think our our youth group is even gonna be out there singing that night. There's gonna be so many good things going on. I saw those kids singing, having fun telling that story in that video, and it reminded me that, um, you know, and I, I see my friend Gary back there, it reminded me that not very long ago, some of these guys were in our King's Kids. No, we called it Kids for Christ. It was KFC. There's, there's Kids for Christ and King's Kids, and we just got kids and uh, campus kids healing hope. Well, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, it's all good, and I want to encourage you to be a, a part of that next week and just enjoy it. 
By the way, that's the key. That's the agenda for next for the upcoming weeks and for next year. If we're going to get to know what the wisdom and the legacy and the opportunities are for ministry and what the willingness and what the possibilities and the talent are for people to serve. The only way we're going to facilitate that is we have to have the kind of festivals that you read about in the Old Testament where the people of God come together and they celebrate and they enjoy fellowship with one another and they encourage one another and they build one another up. Um, because that's what enables people to enter into ministry and be excited about it. So, um, just that said that it'll start at 6.30. We'll gather together at 6 next week, and I really want us to, uh, we're going to focus some uh, thoughts during that first half hour. And then we're going we're gonna to let the storytellers, what did it say on the video, the intrepid storytellers? The, uh, I like that. They're, our adventurers, are, that we're going to let them tell us the story um, as it should be told with, uh, with song and with hope. I, um, we're obviously in a point of transition with this campus ministry. Um, and uh, they're, they're the, the college group who I have to keep reminding myself, they are young adults. They, uh, they are responsible for many, many things in their own world. And, uh, and I'm not going to take that away from them. And I mean that with all seriousness. Uh, this, this world doesn't allow our young people to become adults like it used to. And we're going to change that. We're going we're gonna to welcome our fellow men and women into the kingdom and, and let them know that it is right and good for them to serve alongside us. And... Um, that there's, there's no holding back, that, that, that we're ready to see them join us in that service. Um, God works with people of all ages. But there's a point of transition. They, um, I'm teaching their classes on Wednesday night. We've got other people teaching. We want you involved in the, well, we always want you involved in the noon meals, even if we had a campus minister on staff right now. But um, we're going to open up new opportunities, like the, the New Year's Eve party. That'll be a good opportunity for us to get to know one another. But I'm not worried or anxious about this time of transition. I've been through enough of these transitions at this church and at the congregation I was at before. I've learned never to be anxious about the, the transition. They might be anxious if they have to put up with me much longer, uh, but they don't. They've got this. You might be anxious. Maybe, maybe you have some sense that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Well, if you can find out where I'm supposed to be, please, by all means, tell me, because um, I haven't gotten that one figured out in 48 years. The, um, I'm not anxious. I'll tell you what I would be anxious about. I would be anxious about getting in a rush and making a quick decision that's not God's decision. And I want to tell you what, the th what some of the three uh, most anxious, anxiety-causing words are in Scripture. Three words. And Abram agreed. Okay? Let me take you to the text tonight. Take a look with me at Genesis 15. Okay? And Abram agreed. You see, God told a man named Abram, and this was God's salvation plan. God had a mission in this world, just like 
through the lines for Christ, we have a mission on that campus that can reach the rest of the world. Just like this congregation right here in Arkansas can impact the world in this neighborhood, we've got a mission. And so God starts all of that, though, by calling a man named Abram out, and he says, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation, and through you all nations will be blessed. And so Abram becomes the, um, he, he really becomes the point man for that mission. There's just one interesting thing about it. When, when God is going through and choosing people to be the father of a nation, he picks an elderly man and his wife who can't have children. I have to admit, if I was advising God, I think I would probably say, I don't recommend this one, God. You know? Now, we got this 18-year-old over here, and we can give him 20 wives, and I think we'll have a nation uh, in the next 10 years. Um, you know. Listen, I, don't, don't, don't get too formal about this, okay, folks? There's some basic biological facts that fit into this text, all right? So anyway, here's Abram and his, his, his bride, Sarah, and by no means his young bride. Um, as, one, as one man put it to me one time, he told me, he said, look, I don't want the things that you're doing to take very long. And he was well advanced in years, let's to be, uh, to, be, to be kind. And I said, well, why are you concerned about this? And he said, son, let me put it to you this way. I don't buy green bananas at my age. And uh, <laughs> Abram is that kind of fellow. He's like, well, I haven't got time to mess around here, God. If I'm going to have that child of promise, we need to see it right away, you know. Bad enough that I'm sitting here wondering about how it's going to happen. Um, you know, I mean, he's going to have a toddler when he's uh, picking out caskets. So it's, it's uh, you know, it's like this, this doesn't fit. This isn't the norm. So he's wondering, how are we going to get all this fixed? And, and, and he and Sarah are, with no, no doubt, getting anxious about this, that he won't have an heir. So verse, uh, I told you Genesis 15, I meant 16. Genesis 16, Sarah, Abram's wife, had no children. Now remember, they're old, very old. So Sarah took her servant, an Egyptian woman named Hagar, and gave her to Abram so that she could bear his children. The Lord has kept me from having any children, Sarah said to Abram. Now go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed. <laughs> Told you. I mean, what's he going to say? You know, well, I don't know, Sarah. This is not, I mean, he, I mean, he's like, and this becomes the will of God too? It all works? Wow, you know? I mean, he's thinking this is a no-lose situation. <laughs> but Abram agreed to it. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, gave her to Abram as a wife, and this happened 10 years after Abram first arrived in the land of Canaan. That means the clock is ticking, okay? Sarah's, and by the way, Sarah's biological clock is not running down. Uh, her biological clock sprung uh, a couple of gears, you know, decades ago. It's busted. Uh, so, so Abram slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when she knew she was pregnant. She began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. And so Sarah said to Abram, it's all your fault. <laughs> now this servant of mine 
is pregnant. By the way, if you've never seen the humor in Genesis 16, it's there. Uh, she despises me, though I gave myself, though I gave, though I myself gave her the privilege of being with you. The Lord will make you pay for doing this to me. And all I'm thinking this whole time is Abram, and I'm thinking, and you agreed to this. I mean, it sounded good, uh, you know, nine months ago. Abram replied, well, since she's your servant, you may deal with her as you see fit. So Sarah treated her harshly, and Hagar ran away. By the way, once again, he's being passive. He was passive the first time. He agreed to it. He's passive the second time. So God intervenes. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside the desert spring along the road to Shur. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she replied. And the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. And the angel added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you're now pregnant. You'll give birth to a son and you're to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard about your misery. This son of yours, he'll be a wild one, free and untamed as a wild donkey. He'll be against everyone and everyone will be against him. And yes, he will live at odds with the rest of his brothers. Thereafter, Hagar referred to the Lord who had spoken to her as the God who sees me. For she said, I've seen the one who sees me. Later, that well was named Be'er Lahiroi which means the well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found there today. And so Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 at that time. Now, I know there's a lot of connection to this, and people say, see, that's the beginning of the problems in the Middle East. And and I don't know. You know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I mean, the writer of this has no, you know, could not foresee the events of today. But there's a lot of trouble that happens right there in that day and in the lifetime of Ishmael. There's a lot of trouble that happens right then and there. So let's not get ahead of the story. But I will tell you this. It all happens because they don't wait for God's answer. Abram agreed. They went for the quick fix. Now God chooses to bless that. God chooses to bless Ishmael. But he never says that that's his solution he never says that that was his plan in fact when you pick up in in 17 and you know in hebrews we read that 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 story about entertaining angels and you don't know who they are and for years i'd always heard that that means that you know you're going to get tested all the time by these you know angels in disguise running around asking for benevolence money you know and they'd show up on highway 71 at the winslow church and somebody'd always say we don't know we might want to help them they're angels which always struck me as funny because i thought well if they're angels and they need to unpack their wings and fly on out of here because you know they don't need gas money they're okay that's not how that works all right angels don't go around testing us to see if we get the benevolence test right What it's referring to is it's referring to the blessings of God in this story right here. I think even through the story, Abram has a sense that these visitors are are from God. That these visitors, that one of them is God. He has a sense all the way through. Because he's met with God. He would recognize him. 
In chapter 17, um, these, these three visitors come to him and he shows them hospitality. And I, you read the story and there's even kind of an anticipation that he's thinking, maybe this, maybe this is the, you know, he's heard from God this promise before. He's thinking, wow, you know, God's here again. Maybe today's the day. Uh, but he's actually kind of taken comfort that maybe Ishmael is the child of promise. So he's a bit surprised. Uh, verse 17 of chapter 17 Abram bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he wondered. Besides, Sarah's 90. How could she have a baby? And Abraham said to God, yes, why don't you let Ishmael enjoy your special blessing? In other words, you know, honor him the way you've honored me, God. God replied, no, Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you'll name him Isaac, which means he laughs because everybody's laughing at this idea of God that a 100-year-old man and his 90-year-old wife are actually going to have a baby and they're not going to have to go get her handmaiden to figure into the plan. God says, you'll name him Isaac and I'll confirm my everlasting covenant with him and his descendants. As for Ishmael, I'll bless him also like you've asked. I'll cause him to multiply and become a great nation. Twelve princes will be among his descendants. But... My covenant, says God, is with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. Well, that ended the conversation, and God left Abraham. And on that very day, Abraham took Ishmael and every other male in his household, circumcised them. They, they signified the covenant. Um, now remember that at this point, when this child, Isaac, is promised... Abram's been waiting for quite some time for that to happen. He waited. He and Sarah got ahead of God and came up with their own solution. And they had headaches the rest of their life. There were problems for, the, for all of the people there. So says the text for generations to come. But God still works through that. This is why I'm not anxious about us not having all the answers or having the easy solutions. I'm more anxious about us getting ahead of God. When you look at this ministry, you know, we were so anxious, we thought we had to get a campus house right away. And so we had one over here, and then we had one in our parking lot, and we had, you know, people contest it, and they said, no, you can't do that, and you can't do that, and you can't do that. Finally, one day in 2009, the opportunity comes up immediately adjacent to our property and God bless that God's saying like he always says just wait so all the things that we're worried about we're worried about people filling in leadership and ministries we're worried about the continuation of ministries we're worried about what's going to happen next we're worried about our country we're worried about our families wait on God he doesn't operate on our timetable even though we feel the 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 you know, the pain of age and the ticking of the clock crushing down on us. And I think maybe one of the reasons that that happens, I don't know this, it's not for me to question God, but maybe one of the reasons is, is he wants one generation to see to the next, and he wants each of those generations to say, look, I'm at work, and I want one generation from the next to know that. You need to confide in each other and let one another know that. 
I hope these words encourage you tonight. Eric's going to lead us in a song. And, um, and then after that, Ron, will you send us out with a prayer tonight? And uh, during this song, if you need to partake of communion in room 100, please take advantage of that during this song. But I hope when we break up here tonight, find the opportunity, and you guys too, break out, get to know each other. Just exchange a name, exchange a prayer, exchange a good word, okay? Let's stand, let's sing this song together. What is it, number 41, Eric? Number 41.